ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80 and on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Teron Davenport. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at TDavenport underscore NFL. Now, we've been talking a lot, of course, about the landscape in the East today. And in the pre-show meeting, Teron and I got to discussing what teams are being overlooked in the landscape of the East. And I want to start with my Miami Heat because I've got to give some love, Teron, to my Heat because I do feel like there hasn't been much of a national conversation around the Miami Heat. I don't know how familiar you are you are with the Miami market. I hosted a local show down there for many, many years and lived in Miami forever. I can tell you... Miami fans generally in all sports have a persecution complex where they always feel like everyone's against them. And (laughs) nine times out of 10, it's probably not so accurate. However, it has felt a little accurate this season because even though they've been sitting atop the East for the majority of the season, now second only to the Bulls, they really haven't been getting much national attention, nor have the Bulls. I'll get to them in a second. But what are your impressions of the Miami Heat? Why isn't anybody giving them any love? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's crazy that they don't get any love because, I mean, you have a premier player there, you know, so and Jimmy Butler. And, I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a Philly guy, so I Kyle Lowry, he, he's a local. He's a local kid for me. So I, I think the roster is really good. And then once you get Bam out of bio, well, like once he gets back, now you have a big man. You got the uh, championship caliber player in P.J. Tucker. So I think all the pieces are there. They are a team that people should be talking about, but – Sometimes you just have those teams that just continue to float under the radar, and they don't have any of those guys that are polarizing. So I think that's probably a a big thing, whereas, I mean, you look at how long we've talked about James Harden and Ben Simmons. You know, I I don't think they have a guy who has that same marquee name, although Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, is every bit as good as those guys as far as impact as a player. Well, and Jimmy Butler certainly is one who in the past has stolen many, many headlines. Now, his, uh, the headlines surrounding Jimmy Butler have kind of calmed down in nature during his tenure with Miami. Like, he found his place. They He did just get fined, I should mention, by the way, because this was breaking news a few minutes ago, where the NBA did fine Jimmy Butler $25,000 for violating media access rules during the NBA All-Star weekend. Apparently, he didn't provide media the access to him after the All-Star game uh, that he was obligated to do, and apparently some other media obligations that he may have uh, forfeited or shortened or something like that during the NBA All-Star weekend. so there you go, $25,000 out of Jimmy Butler's pocket. But those sorts of headlines haven't been often with Jimmy Butler during his time with the Miami Heat. So you're right, like maybe not as sexy because they are a franchise that is just pretty consistent. I mean, it's a good franchise. They've got a good coach, obviously a good president there in Pat Riley. And they have been one of the most balanced teams this season. They are seventh in offensive rating, sixth in defensive rating, sixth in net rating. And that is with them sitting atop the East for a huge portion of the season with Bam, like you mentioned, missing over 25 games with Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler missing double digit games this season. And they've still been that dangerous. So the Heat have certainly been a team that has been getting overlooked. The Chicago Bulls are another team that has been getting overlooked this season, and they just stole the lead in the East from the Miami Heat. They're sitting at 39 and 21 this season. And 
people didn't see this one coming, Teron. And I think that always plays into it when you don't see it coming. And we'll, we could talk about the Cavs in a second or throw them into this conversation as well. Like when you don't see them coming, it takes a long time for people to kind of come around to the idea that this could actually be a legit thing. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened with the Hawks last year, if you remember. So yeah, uh, for me, when I look at this Bulls team, I mean, it starts with DeMar DeRozan, and he had yet another, you know, clutch performance yet yesterday. And I, I think, you know, it, it's kind of like when he walks around, that, that Eric being rock M, I ain't no joke music needs to play because that's exactly what he is. He is no joke. And then I, you look mid-March, late March, whenever they start to get some of their guys back, you know, Lonzo Ball I, I, and uh, Caruso, I, I think that's really going to help this team a lot. So this, this is another team that's kind of like, dealing without having all of their parts and still at the top of, of, of the East. So, again, DeRozan, a really good player, like Butler, not that sexy guy that, you, you know, everybody gravitates towards, but he's just someone that continues to, to kill it day in and day out. And I, I think that's what is making this team so good. And But they're floating under the radar because they don't have that big, uh, uh, you know, box office uh, draw that – you know, some of the, the more marketable teams do. And you, you can't forget about uh, Zach Levine on that team as well. Yeah, it's funny to me when you mention uh, Alex Caruso or Lonzo Ball being what your maybe championship aspirations hinge on, right? <laughs> but those have ended up being very good pieces in yeah. Chicago. And everything has just been gelling for the Bulls in a way that we didn't anticipate. You certainly could not have anticipated, even if you believed in DeMar DeRozan. I don't think anybody could have t- anticipated the season that he's had. I mean, he has mm-hmm. been unbelievable this season for somebody who we've seen have, you know, a long NBA career thus far. So it's It's been really surprising how well things have worked in Chicago. Of course, none of it matters because it's the regular season, right? Like, shout out to my Heat. Shout out to the Chicago Bulls. Shout out to the Cleveland Cavaliers who are sitting at fifth in the East, which I think are even more of a surprise than either of those other two teams I just mentioned, particularly with that incredibly young core that Cleveland has. And it seems like they may have really hit on a couple really young guys there in terms of stardom. But... None of it matters unless you can actually do it in the postseason. So let me pose this to you. Bulls, Heat, Cavs, maybe you'd throw Raptors into that conversation. They're sitting at seventh. I don't know if you believe in the Cs at all who are sitting at sixth. I mean, what teams do you outside of the 76ers and the defending champ Milwaukee Bucks? And I don't know if you'd throw the Nets into that conversation, but what team do you believe in in terms of the actual postseason and some of these more surprising teams in the East? Mm, you, you you took my uh, <laughs> because you, we're you saying took, like the regular. I was going to say is, Sixers. It's glorious, it's great, <laughs> but yeah, no. Well, obviously, we're taking Sixers out of it, right? But I think that's why the Sixers steal so many of the headlines, or the Nets steal so many of the headlines. Like when you have the flashy superstars, we expect you to be built for the postseason, and in fact. Listen, we've seen it with LeBron a bunch of years. Like a lot of these dudes, you know, treat the regular season just like, hey, I'm I'm just here to get to the postseason and then I'll actually really turn things on or then I'll stop resting or then I'll really start playing defense or whatever. So we've seen it time and time again with these superstars in the league. Whereas some of these other more surprising teams that maybe don't have quite the star power or have the younger players, they're putting more effort in the regular season. But that can burn you out by the postseason. Yeah, no, I I get what you're saying, and if you take those teams out that that you mentioned, 
you know, the Boston Celtics, man, I, <laughs> they're white hot right now. And I don't care who he's going against. Jason Tatum, he could blow up for, for 40 to 50 every single night he, he takes the court. So I think you have to look at that. You know, Marcus Smart, he came back and you, you saw them start to really, you know, get on that, that streak. And they're a team that has – they have experience, right? They've, they've made playoff runs before. So this isn't something new to them. And I, I think when you have a team like that, they definitely are, are someone to watch. So if you take those other, other teams away, you know, the, the Celtics are a team I would say really are, are – are, that's a group that can make a run. Maybe another team that's being overlooked a little bit because all the headlines are being stolen by the 76ers and the Nets. I had taken the Bucks out as an option for you, but you had asked Michael Lee when we had him on earlier in the show, are the Bucks being overlooked? And I thought it was a good question because you're talking about the defending champs, and I mm-hmm. feel like nobody's talking about them, which is really odd for a defending champion. Maybe it's a good thing for the Bucks. Yeah, and it's crazy because this is a, a, a defending championship team that has – one of the most, if not the most dominant player in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't really been weakened. I mean, what, P.J. Tucker is no longer – I mean, they didn't really lose much. They, they still had their core in place. So I think they should absolutely be in the conversation. But it, it's just – it's amazing to me that they're not. But I tell you what, when it comes time to, to play ball, like it's really hard to match up with Giannis and he's able to dish out. You got Middleton able to shoot. Drew Holiday is a very good penetrator. So – they're in really good shape as far as being able to attack from all ways, and that's a team, uh, if you just all-encompassing, you don't take any teams out to, to pick as far as the team to beat. The Bucks, in my opinion, are the team to beat in the East. Well, the East feels very wide open. The West feels like maybe it's got you know kind of a bit of a two-horse race feel where you have the Suns and the Warriors, but mm-hmm. in the East it feels wide open because when we started the season, the Nets were on odds-on favorite to win an NBA title, and then we know how that situation went in Brooklyn, and it changed the entire landscape of everything. So a really interesting uh, NBA season that is upon us. Also an interesting college basketball season upon us as well. The college basketball season is heating up, and that means that the Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of the Wooden Award nominees to watch as the season rolls on. Every day is game day with Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of the NCAA. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's. Should Lamar Jackson play without a new contract? That's next. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Teron Davenport. We have talked a lot about quarterbacks and potential moves being made this offseason. Well, the Baltimore Ravens may need to make a potential move in terms of their pocketbooks. They may need to open them and pay Lamar Jackson. The former MVP is heading into his fifth NFL season and the last one on his rookie contract, meaning it's time to pay the man. Now, the reason that this is such an unusual situation, Teron, is because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, and that's really unusual in the NFL. And in fact, the NFL has never had a deal of this magnitude with a player without a certified agent. So this would be really unusual if Lamar Jackson is able to work out this deal with the Baltimore Ravens without using an agent at all. Eric DaCosta, the Baltimore Ravens GM, he said in his press conference back on February 4th that they're operating on Lamar's timeline. I would say that we're working at Lamar's pace. He's comfortable where we are right now. 
uh, I think he feels that uh, we have a lot of unfinished business. He has a lot of unfinished business. We will operate based on his urgency. Well, he, they shouldn't be, or he shouldn't be. Lamar Jackson should not be comfortable where they're at right now. Right. Jaron, I have a hard time believing that he's comfortable where they are at right now. Because where he's at right now is on a rookie deal. And he should have been extended a while ago. And I'm one, I'm a huge advocate of guys when they enter the league in the NFL, not hiring agents necessarily, because you don't really need one for a rookie contract. The way the CBA is these days, it's so structured. You're not really negotiating anything when you come into the league. I mean, even the salaries are structured based on where you're drafted, right? So there's nothing really to negotiate. And frankly, you have very little negotiating power, but also the PA has already done it for you. So the clauses are the clauses and it is what it is there might be some bonus structure there whatever but you're pretty much getting what you're getting as you come into the league as a rook I have no problem in that scenario with you not hiring an agent hire good lawyers of course I'm saying that as a lawyer but hire good lawyers make sure they read those contracts make sure you understand what you're signing but pay the lawyers hourly save yourself the three percent that you'd have to pay or the two percent that you'd have to pay to an NFL agent that applies to rookie contracts That doesn't apply when you're Lamar Jackson coming into a second deal in the league. And it doesn't apply when you're a player who, frankly, I think is a 40 mil kind of guy, which I think is where the market is at when we're talking about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's going to be looking for, I would say, a deal, you know, at least five years, $200 million. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, the floor is something along the lines of of Dak Prescott's contract because he's every bit as good as Dak Prescott. And, Frankly, outside of Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers, he's pretty much the only guy to have those letters behind his name, MVP. And that does have value. So when you're looking at the, the how expensive this deal is going to be, the, the type of money that this deal is, is involving, I get he probably has his reasons for not having an agent, but this is not any ordinary run-of-the-mill type of deal. This is a huge deal. And when you look at Eric DaCosta, one of the things that he said that, uh, you know, when you're, you're looking at these kind of contracts, he said it's like you go to the Bentley dealership or Range Rover dealership, you know what the cars are going to cost. You're not going to get much of a discount because they all cost about the same. About the same. But the thing is, Josh Allen has negotiated a deal. His agent set a deal for him. He has had a lot of success, helped transfer the, the, the bills, but Jackson has done the same thing with the, with the Ravens. You know, so his deal, 43, he's averaging, what, $43 million per year. That is something that, that Lamar needs to look to get. And I, I just, again, I I, I don't want to, you know, pocket watch or, or question a, a player's motives. But when you're dealing with that level of money, why not have the best of the best do that for you? And I understand that it will cost you a percentage, but think of, how much better it will be, how much more comforting it will be for you to have those I's dotted and the T's crossed. Well, and if you aren't going to have an agent do it again, like you can dot those I's and cross those T's fine with lawyers reviewing your contract. But the thing, the value that the agent brings is hopefully above that 2 or 3% that you end up paying the agent. And I think if you're Lamar Jackson, you're a caliber of player where that might be realistic because you're talking about the market. And you're right. Aaron Rodgers it appears to be resetting the market because we got the news yesterday that Diana Rossini is reporting that he wants to be the highest paid player in the league. And so you're talking probably probably a 50 million a year kind of guy in Aaron Rodgers. You mentioned 45 mil for Patrick Mahomes. Dak Prescott got 
40 mil. This is move the entire market. This is just what quarterbacks are worth these days. And mm-hmm. that's definitely in line with what then Lamar Jackson should be paid. Probably a 40 mil kind of guy is where I'd put him. And you're selling yourself short if you're not able to properly convey that and make the team move. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not stepping back on that field until I have assurances and assurances comes with a signed contract extension and me knowing that I'm getting paid and me knowing I'm getting paid guaranteed money for a portion of that contract as well because you are talking about a player that obviously we've seen injured and that's what the risk you're always running with any NFL player frankly but Lamar Jackson could go out he could get injured he's playing for the love of the game this say like like he gets back out there he plays for the love of the game you know this season doesn't work out an extension and all of a sudden he's injured and his career's over the whole conversation looks a lot different or he's injured and he's not the same after that so he's taking a huge risk here not getting this contract done Lamar Jackson it would be in your best interest to get this done sooner rather than later maybe not in the Ravens best interest but in your own so get your bag focus on your own pocket coming up Should Aaron Rodgers, speaking of the highest paid potential player in the NFL, should he be? But first, we have this message from Body Armor. Let Body Armor Light help you achieve your fitness goals this year. Body Armor Light is the low-calorie sports drink hydrating your active lifestyle. It has no artificial sweeteners, no sugar added, and only 20 calories per 16-ounce bottle. And comes in delicious flavors like peach mango, tropical coconut, and strawberry lemonade. Body Armor Light, keeping you hydrated during your workouts and your busy day. From now until April 30th, buy $20 of any Body Armor product and earn $10 in fitness cash to select fitness retailers nationwide. Learn more at BACommitToFit.com. That is BACommitToFit.com. ESPN Radio. They're willing, ready, and able to do whatever it takes to further entice Aaron Rodgers to remain in Green Bay. Well, I think it's too little too late. The facts are Aaron has never been better professional. Like, he looks the part. I mean, he just won his fourth MVP. What does it feel like to commit to a season if that's what I want to do? And the good thing is I still feel like my body, you know, is in a good place. This is definitely a good place. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons. Amber Wilson and Teron Davenport. We are taking you up until 7 p.m. Eastern. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at TDavenport underscore NFL at ESPN Radio, where you will find our ESPN Radio weekend preview poll. We are asking you, as the second half of the NBA season tips off, who is the team to beat in the East, the Nets, the Sixers, the Bucks, or other, giving no love to my Miami Heat, but I digress. So go ahead and check out that poll at ESPN Radio. But, Teron, we've been talking a lot about quarterbacks today during this NFL offseason. Aaron Rodgers has had to share the spotlight in terms of the news cycle a little bit today. You and I have covered a lot of ground with Aaron Rodgers, but also with Russell Wilson. He entered the conversation because he removed the Seattle Seahawks from his Twitter profile. We all know what that means in 2022. Let's read into it. Follow the tea leaves. 
is Jimmy Garoppolo, his future, is it actually over in San Francisco? And Lamar Jackson as well. So that's where I want to start with friend of the show, Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front insider. And Mike, I want to start with you with Lamar Jackson because Teron and I were just having a conversation about Jackson and what an unusual situation this is in terms of the negotiation with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson does not have an NFL agent. And as in t- the, with the type of caliber quarterback he is, this would actually be the biggest deal in the NFL ever without a certified agent on the other side. So you having all the experience that you have in front offices, do you think it's a smart move for a player of Lamar Jackson's caliber not to have an agent? What value does an agent really bring there for a second contract? Yeah, I would definitely want an agent if I was Lamar Jackson. And I'll give you guys a very specific example. I think the average per year on his deal is pretty perfunctory, you know, 40, 41 million, somewhere in there. But how much is guaranteed and more importantly, when is it guaranteed is hugely consequential. You look at Zeke Elliott, his contract this year is fully guaranteed $12.4 million. But for that guarantee, he would be cut. So there's some nuances that are critically important on a contract of this size. And um, I can tell you from a team standpoint, I hated dealing with a player. Um, always wish they had an agent because let's face it, sometimes things in a negotiation are just better off being filtered. And um, it just hurts the dynamic. With that said, I'm sure the deal will get done. But it's certainly something that um, I would not like if I was the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Mike, when I, I found out you were coming on, I, t- I promised myself I wasn't going to ask you about Ryan Tannehill. So we'll, we'll leave that out of the conversation for once when we talk. But when you look at this Lamar well, Jackson. Well, I told him I would only come on if we could talk about Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I know that's your guy. I know that's your guy, man. But <laughs> we'll stay focused on Lamar Jackson. And uh, <laughs> when you look at uh, just what type of advantages, like what type of leverage he has, like, how do you kind of qualify the, what he has in his favor going into this negotiation? Um, well, you know, obviously he could always hold out, but he's um, – Look, he's in the prime of his career. He's an MVP. He's somebody that the Ravens should try to get signed to ASAP. You know, candidly, my only concern is, from their standpoint, is he did get hurt a year ago. The ball's in his hands a lot. Uh, Quarterbacks do get hurt. Um, But, you know, they really don't have a chance to compete meaningfully for a championship without him. I don't want to spend this whole interview with Mike Tannenbaum on Lamar Jackson, but I'm just so fascinated from your perspective because you have such a unique perspective on this subject. You had mentioned that you didn't enjoy negotiating with a player directly who wasn't represented by an agent. What were those negotiations like? Because you mentioned, like, obviously there's some things in negotiations that, you know, you can speak freely when you're with an agent and maybe those things aren't necessarily the most glowing things said about the agent's client. If you were negotiating directly with a player when you were in those situations, would you tell Tell the player, like, hey, you know, you're not as good as X, Y, Z. You're not, you know, like, is that part of this? Are you brutally honest when there's not an agent in the room? Uh, You know, I try to keep it, like, very positive and keep it very much on the facts. Like, here's why we're comfortable offering you this. And we think that you compare favorably to these guys. Um, Here's our concerns in terms of, like, you know, what you're looking for and why we think where we are is appropriate. Like, you, you, you just try to pick your words very, very, very carefully. If I, you know, because again, like you're dealing with somebody that you want to sign, you want them to feel great about it. And let's face it, that's why you know the agent business is so robust. That there's a very necessary role in the play for them. And when you're dealing with your franchise quarterback, you're you're going to be paying them, 
you know, upwards of 150 to 200 million dollars. And obviously, part of it is you want them to feel great, valued, and in Lamar's case, he's you know an MVP of the NFL. He's young. He has an incredible future. But with that said, not every conversation during those you know negotiations are going to be ideal. Speaking of MVP quarterbacks, you you spoke earlier about uh, Aaron Rodgers and and just how you were able to to paint a picture, right? And and just focus on the legacy and all the other values in addition to the the financial part of it. How would you go about just handling that negotiation with Aaron Rodgers, knowing that there, there's such a, a good chance that he may want to, to flee the coop, so to speak? Yeah, that's really what I would focus on is, you know, you look at guys like Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Steve Young, even recently Tom Brady. You know, these are all-time greats that, for whatever reason, didn't finish with, you know, the same club. And uh, I would – you know, really impress upon him that, you know, you may pay, play at Lambeau Field, but just so you know, by science extension, you know, Lambeau Field happens to be located on Rogers Boulevard. And, you know, you're going to have a legacy here that's meaningful and sustainable and different than, you know, Brett, because, you know, Brett went on to play for a number of teams besides the Packers. Finally here, Mike, on the way out, uh, Russell Wilson has entered this conversation since we're talking about uh, quarterbacks right now in the NFL. They're dominating the storylines, obviously. Now, Russell Wilson, I don't think it's been getting the same type of attention that the Aaron Rodgers watch has been getting. But now Russell Wilson apparently removed Seattle Seahawks from his Twitter bio. I don't know what that means, Mike Tannenbaum. I'm sure you don't either. But we've been hearing for a long time that Russell Wilson might want out of Seattle. What do you think the market is for Russell Wilson? Because I have been interested that it appears kind of different than Aaron Rodgers. There's some teams out there like the Giants that get rumored with Wilson that don't get rumored with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you're kidding. You know, I used to prepare by watching film and speaking to people in the league or, you know, reading ESPN.com. Now, you know, my preparation process is asking my uh, 15-year-old son, like, hey, what's up? what's new on TikTok or Instagram? And uh, <laughs> that's uh, – <laughs> so I would just say that the value to me is still robust because, you know, the Rams did that. You know, the Rams, you know, everyone felt like overpaid giving up two first-round picks for a guy in Dan Orlovsky who, uh, except for Dan Orlovsky uh, and Matt Stafford, never won a playoff game. And I give Dan a hard time because I don't think Dan realized that, but – in all seriousness, they gave up two first-round picks for Matt Stafford, who had never won a playoff game, and obviously the rest is history. So I think, to a certain extent, the Rams really changed that paradigm. And if I'm the Washington Commanders or the Pittsburgh Steelers, two teams that have great defenses and big question marks at the quarterback position, um, I think more than two first-round picks for Russell Wilson makes sense. And if you're one of those teams, guys, and you can get a, a player of Wilson's caliber where you can compete for a championship – why not pay that bill? Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front insider. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. So there's still lots of watching to do in terms of the quarterback carousel market in the NFL. There's not anymore uh, the head coaching carousel in the NFL. That's over. But why did it take so long for Eric Bieniemy to re-sign with Kansas City once he was no longer in that mix? That's next. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons with Amber Wilson and Teron Davenport. 
ESPN Radio. The NFL always finds a way into our hearts and also into the headlines. Now, we have talked a lot, Amber Wilson, Teron Davenport. We've talked a lot throughout the show about the quarterback, potential quarterback changes in the NFL this offseason. There was, of course, many weeks there that we talked about potential head coaching changes in the NFL. Now, all of those vacancies have been filled. Eric Bieniemy didn't fill any of them. Another strange year where Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach anywhere, but he does find himself back in Kansas City. It is official that he is now once again the OC of the Kansas City Chiefs. This news, though, coming maybe a little late, right? Because, Teron, you and I were talking about this off air, and you mentioned... Why are we just now getting this? You know, it's been it's been a minute that all of these head coaching positions have been filled. Why didn't he immediately go back to the Chiefs and say, "Okay, I'm in." It appears that he was actually considering some other options here. So not only did he interview for head coaching positions, which we know of, of course, but apparently he also considered coaching in college and he also considered taking some time off for football completely after a stressful season for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, alas, he decided to go back to the Chiefs, but you were really surprised that this decision took as long as it did. Yeah, I was surprised. And uh, when you look at just the way it has happened the last couple of years, he's clearly been uh, a guy who's been uh, an integral part of the success that, that the Chiefs have had offensively. And make no mistake about it, they've been one of the best offensive teams while he was the offensive coordinator. So I, that's something that really has stood out to me despite that he hasn't gotten a, a head coaching job, but then he's signed one-year contracts each year, and every single coaching cycle, you have Andy Reid banging the table for him to, to be a head coach, and everything seems to be really good as far as Patrick Mahomes and, and, and the relationship there, and Mahomes himself has banged the table for the enemy to be a head coach. So it's just strange to me that you have these guys endorsing him and the success that they've had, but yet it took so long to finalize the deal that, hey, he is coming back. In my opinion, when you have somebody who has had the level of success that he's had, and when that coaching cycle was was done, it should have been, okay, no questions about it. He's coming back with us. He's going to lead our offense one more year. That would have been how I thought the Chiefs would have responded to the enemy not getting a coaching job. So it was a bit confusing to me. There's there's so many things that, that factor into whether or not he's uh, valid as a, a head coach candidate. I, I think, obviously, he is, but I don't know all the factors. And that whole situation surrounding the enemy is, in fact, a mystery. And now you add in Matt, uh, Matt Nagy is, is joined the, the staff once again. And uh, could he be that OC in the waiting for next year, right, if, if the enemy is, is still in that same situation where they're trying to figure out, okay, do you want to come back? Do we want you back? Well, and it appears that the enemy is going to be in that situation again next offseason because ESPN confirmed on Thursday a news that was first reported by NFL Network that he did sign another one-year deal with the Kansas right. City Chiefs as their OC. And you mentioned that's the enemy's thing lately, right? He, like, he signs one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal. And, and some of it, obviously, I'm sure is a power play and a, a negotiating tactic. I assume some of it is that he really legitimately doesn't know whether this is something that he wants to do, I guess, for the long run. He's been the OC for the Chiefs for four years, though 
those exact four years have coincided uh, with the run of a little-known Patrick Mahomes. So those have been four pretty good years for Eric Bieniemy as the OC of the Kansas City Chiefs. And because of that, it is really odd that during these four years, with that much success, he's not a head coach anywhere. And I've always wondered, Teron, like, is there something more to this story that we don't know? And obviously, Eric Bieniemy was named specifically as an example in Brian Flores' discrimination lawsuit against the NFL. And we all know that when we're looking at the landscape of the NFL, that of course that there are problems there with diversity hires, with NFL head coaches and sham interviews and everything that was alleged in Flores' lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And with Eric Bieniemy, he is the primary example that everyone cites and Flores cited him in his lawsuit because how do you have this much success as an OC and you're not a head coach somewhere where and so it has it has made me wonder is it possible he's like coach in waiting in KC you know that there's something there that we don't know about hey when Andy Reid retires we want you to be the guy that maybe is attractive to him but if that's the case the only strange thing about that is why are you signing one-year deals if that's the case you know exactly exactly and and as you were going through that scenario that's what I was thinking okay if it is the case where you have a guy who is the head coach in waiting lock him up for a good amount of years. So that way you're not going into the same situation each and every year. Okay, uh, do you want to come back? Do we want you back? Do you want That's the back and forth that shouldn't have to happen. I mean, it's not like this guy isn't helping lead this team to very high offensive accolades. And then also a lot of people come out and say, oh, well, you know, he's not calling the plays. That's not actually true. He does call the plays. So there really is just – it's a it's a mystery man that's really like the only way i could it's a mystery to me a why he's not a head coach and b why as soon as the the cycle is is done he isn't you know brought back and that's something i guess is going to be between god andy reed and eric Bieniemy to know and and for us to wonder I mean, we've seen position coaches in the NFL who absolutely do not call plays, who aren't even coordinators get NFL head coaching jobs. So, yes, you do hear that. You hear the thing like, oh, well, he's not a good interview. And and that's a weird thing to hear, though, because, first of all, he's been on so darn many that you're thinking, OK, well, how, you know, how is that even true? But then also, even if there was some truth to that, I, I feel like a team like who cares at a certain point, right? Like when you have that much success and we know how the NFL works, it's all about success at the end of the day. Who really cares if he impresses you so much with his work? what you're really impressed with will be what he's done with the Kansas City Chiefs over the last four years. That speaks for itself. Right, and he's proven to not only be a good coach, but a leader of men. You ask those players, they will tell you about the relationship and the way that, that you know he's helped them just as men, period. So that's something else to factor in. It's a really interesting story to continue to follow because we know we're going to do this again in a year. And it, it's just <laughs> been really interesting to kind of try to figure out what's going on there with Eric Bieniemy, And we don't really have any other answers other than he is once again the OC of the Kansas City Chiefs, at least for now. The Chiefs also have to fill their quarterback's coaching job. Now, which quarterback is in the better option this offseason? Is it going to be Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? That's next right here on ESPN Radio Afternoons.